This is a preview of Woking Up 8. The full episode is available via Patreon. You can sign up today to unlock early access to Woking Up episodes. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. Welcome to Woking Up. White supremacy. White, white, white supremacy is the fringe of the fringe. This is a mini-series brought to you by Polite Conversations. All of a sudden, we can't talk about Neanderthal DNA anymore. Here, I'll talk about my journey into and out of being a new atheist Sam Harris fan. In and of itself, in and of itself, that video is not evidence of racism. I'm your ex-Muslim host, Ina. No, not the right-wing kind. Thank you for tuning in. This is how the left will die. Well, 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 we meet again, dear listeners. Welcome to episode 8 of Woking Up. Guilt by Association, part 2. And of course, I welcome hate listeners as well. Maybe, if you keep an open mind, the fog of Harris worship will begin to lift, and you will be freed of that curse. But I can only nudge you in that direction and provide you with the tools and information. You'll have to do the rest of the work yourself. Anyway, hate listeners and regular listeners, this is the episode where I try to cram as many of the awful people and views Sam has endorsed into one remaining episode on this topic because I don't want to spend yet another one on this vast branch of heresology. And we all know that it'll be impossible to actually cram everything in here because of the sheer volume of garbage people and ideas that he is fond of. But I will do my best to curate your journey through this section of the swamp. So, I hear the steel manning champion, inventor of logic and reason, Harris himself has been out there, yet again implying that I am just a crazy woman, with absolutely nothing to back that up and no substantive criticism of my views or work or anything. And as we all know, this is not the first time. Harris has called me crazy on air. He's done that on Eric Weinstein's podcast before, as we've covered in earlier Woking Up episodes. And I gotta shout out the gentlemen of the I Don't Speak German podcast. Thanks to them for highlighting his recent assholery regarding this. I will link their episode in the show notes. It is not often that dude podcasters come to my defense, but they're lovely guys, Jack and Daniel. Do check their podcast out. I'm more used to broadcasters either purposely ignoring my extensive work on Harris or implying that I'm way too hysterical, that he is just a poor, misguided progressive or something that I'm being too hard on, only for them to come to similar conclusions themselves later. And I mean, that's nothing new. I've been at this a while, so... That kind of thing happened back in 2014 and 2015 when I started criticizing Dave Rubin and people like Gad Sad too. I used to get piled on and called a regressive leftist. And now many of those people themselves see exactly what Rubin and Gad and that whole crew is. In fact, I warned Harris about them in my chat with him in 2016. And... He just made excuse after excuse after excuse. And, you know, I have been proven extremely correct on this matter since then. And in contrast, he has been proven extremely incorrect. Yet no acknowledgement of that fact. Just that, you know, I criticize him, so I must be crazy. Of course, of course. Not like there's a long history of men trying to discredit women by saying shit like this even when the women in question know their stuff. Here's a couple of clips from my chat with Sam in 2016. 
Well, no, but it just insofar as I think you have the wrong idea about them, I think it's useful to to say so because um, you know D- Dave uh, seems to me to be an extremely ethical person who would check all the right boxes I mean, in terms of you know gay rights and women's rights, and I mean. And, oh no, and, I think you're so wrong about that. Okay, well, so, but I mean, so then that's that's something that I think you're wrong about, and I, I wouldn't know how to. Uh, resolve that apart from you know getting you know getting him on your podcast or you on his right. and, and but how do you why do you think I'm wrong when I've shown you like a, a list of the people that well, I just, are refusing well, to call out well I, do, I just think he it's, it's what you're reading into the refusal to call them out I mean so there's what could be functioning there is he has a very journalistic agenda or a much more journalistic agenda than I do or than you a do. A journalistic agenda with a bunch of crazies. Well, just, only. Well, no, well, it's not only crazies. It means he's, well, it's he's like the occasional, occasional, yes. I just, in, in my experience, again, it's, it's a limited one, but my experience of, of these guys who you are worried about, Dave and Douglas and Gad, I think they are actually very ethical people who are playing a game in a way that you you know you're you think is um, uh, offensive or or has blind spots that you think are consequential and and in some respects you may, you may be right about the that. Conversation back. Sorry, yeah. I cut you off there. You know, my following of Sam Harris is sometimes like a like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. One day there's like, oh, this interview with Anne Marie Waters is good, and I'm like, oh no, Sam. Well, well, that's Why? another example. So that's the only thing I've ever seen from Anne Marie Waters. But you see why then Gad and Ruben are 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 doing some harmful things because they're presenting these people in the best light possible. Okay, but but so so but do you agree? You, you watched that interview, right? Did do you agree that that she came off? I mean, she basically no. sounded like me or or Douglas or someone. I mean, D- Douglas. I didn't my version watch of Douglas. the interview, okay. but I just uh, I know who she is, and I know that she thinks if you're not anti-immigration, as she said to me and Mario Namazi, then you're pro the rape of white women. Um, right, but I guess, so and I, she heads this organization called Pegida with Tommy and right. with a, a white genocide guy called uh, Paul Weston, I believe. And um, she, Paul Weston is a guy who thinks that no Muslims should ever be allowed to hold public office, even Muslims like Majid Nawaz. And they're all heading this uh, pro-freedom, supposedly, uh, organization, which which is clearly contradictory because they're not pro-freedom. Tommy talks about uh, deporting Muslims. Uh, Paul Weston doesn't want them to be able to hold public office. Anne-Marie thinks you're pro-rape of white women if you're not anti-immigration uh, or prepared to let rape happen. And uh, but, but she the, thinks that... But the problem, I mean, again, the... the I mean, this is this is an area where we're in, you know, it, it, this is a gray area in the sense that, you know, she's right. When you look at what's happened in Europe in the last twelve months, you have a lot of you have a lot of people on the left who are prepared to let w- white women get raped by Muslim immigrants. I mean, there 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 are people who are prepared to be raped themselves. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> Well, not only did Sam's words age poorly here, they sounded almost as ridiculous in that moment as they do now. Claiming Dave had an extremely journalistic agenda in 2016 was almost as ludicrous then. Dave had already had Infowars Paul Joseph Watson on, Cernovich, and the wife-beating advocate Karen Strawn on, so it was pretty obvious that he did not, in fact, have a journalistic agenda. And uh, Douglas Murray, Sam is still BFFs with, but surely even he can now see how wrong he was in claiming that Gad and Dave were extremely ethical people that I was just wrongly offended by. But hey, what do I know? I'm just a crazy hysterical woman. Oh, and I also thought I'd point out that uh, if you think fucking Anne Marie Waters sounds like you on the topic of immigration specifically, that is not a good reflection on you. She was too fucking racist for 
fucking UKIP. Nigel Farage found her too bigoted and couldn't stomach her rhetoric. For fuck's sake! (laughs) And as for the claim that there are a lot of people on the left who are willing to let white women be raped by Muslim immigrants and even be raped themselves, I... I mean, this clip is what inspired me to do Woking Up in the first place because... Most people don't even realize how reactionary Sam Harris is, and it's about time they did. I mean, that clip is just him telling on himself, isn't it? As you can probably hear in the background, I am shocked he said that at all. I I kind of gasp and say, what? And I'm basically stunned into silence because I was not expecting that. Even as a Sam Harris fan at that time, I was like, oh, fuck, what did I just hear? Anyway, it is interesting, generally, as a non-white and non-dude podcaster, the kinds of feedback that I get from some types, the kinds of comments that I see about me, you know, stuff like, I'm so mean and rude and just too abrasive and sarcastic and not gentle and ladylike enough. I even swear sometimes. Well, look. I am certainly sorry to disappoint anyone with my sarcasm and low tolerance for bullshit right-wing apologetics, but even if you dislike what I have to say or disagree with me, you should be able to see that I do try to back up what I say with mountains of evidence and clips and research. It's not like I just go around calling people I disagree with crazy or mentally ill or pornographers of something or another. No siree, my lady brain does not permit for such high levels of rationality. (laughs) Jokes aside though, recently I've been getting some great feedback too. Some wonderful shoutouts and people have been recognizing the effort and time I put into this slimy subject matter. And It's been really nice to see. I I really appreciate that. So I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to you, dear listeners. It means a lot to me that so many of you have reached out to me and sent kind words of encouragement. And as awareness about and interest in Harris and his particular brand of hackery grows, I hope more and more people will continue to find this series useful. I'm also really heartened by the fact that I've been getting a lot of vocal support and shoutouts from women lately. The online world can seem like a very cis, male-dominated space, so it's very refreshing and encouraging to see support from a more diverse audience, too. Not that I have any issues with support from men. That's all great, too. But it's just nice to see others in there, too, you know? Anyway... If you, too, enjoy the show and find value in it, I hope you will consider becoming a patron, because that's what keeps the show going. And also because you get access to full episodes of Woking Up before anyone else does. Alright, moving on. Let's get back to Sam. Now, where were we? Ah, yes, his terrible views and associations. Let's just skim through some of Sam's recent takes. What's he been putting out there recently? Lest you think his worst views are in the distance, he is happy to keep reminding you he stands by them by covering his greatest hits again and again and again. And he's so bloody repetitive, my goodness. But to give you a real sense of his most current takes, I I gotta share those with you too. So apologies if you've heard him talk about this stuff before, but here's the latest version of it. There is an asymmetry here, which many of us have had occasion to bemoan, which is that what's happening on the right apart from the fact that it, in many respects, captured the presidency last time around. Apart from the fact that it, in many respects, captured the presidency last time around. 
captured the presidency captured the presidency apart from the fact that it in many respects captured the presidency last time around culturally speaking it is a fringe phenomenon it is a fringe phenomenon i mean you just you don't have to burn much intellectual or ethical fuel to spell out what's wrong with white supremacy or neo-nazis or the imbeciles who show up with tiki torches chanting jews will not replace us that doesn't represent much of culture and insofar as that the problem of that kind of racism and intolerance still exists in our society it's already totally stigmatized by decent sane effective to use your term people it just doesn't represent much of culture and certainly it doesn't represent our our good institutions but when you look at what's happening on the far left and what should be truly fringe claims like you know mathematics is racist you know the idea of showing your work is racist the idea of having a right answer to a a problem is racist those claims are not just coming out of the mouths of blue-haired maniacs look 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 just because the far right and racists captured the fucking presidency doesn't mean it's not super fringe don't even worry about the fact that richard spencer is out there on twitter spaces right now as i record this trust me racism white supremacy are all things we just don't see anymore extremely fringe of the fringe our good institutions are certainly not racist no don't look over there and oh and not there either just just close your eyes and trust me on this one racism not even a real thing anymore uh, okay okay fine it it sort of is but only nazis do it and everyone says nazis are bad okay everyone do you even see anyone wearing a swastika in the grocery store anymore no right so quit your whining and focus on the real issue here people pointing out racism that is what systemic issue we really need to be concerned about Here are a few examples I heard from Ben Shapiro. Did you know they're saying numbers are racist now? Education is racist? Where will this end? You see pointing out racism is what's not fringe. That is the real threat here. Yeah, people like Ibram X Kendi who are pushing a politics on the rest of the country that resembles nothing so much as mental illness and because they enjoy this asymmetrical advantage with respect to social stigma because being accused of racism in particular is so destructive to a person's reputation these activists are successfully silencing and cowing most good people and the people who do have the courage to call bullshit on all this dishonesty and bullying can be made to seem like they're joining the ranks of bad people who are really racist and sexist and transphobic so now we have the spectacle of some of the least racist people and institutions on earth issuing abject apologies the kinds of apologies that would seem appropriate in an exit interview from the Ku Klux Klan just rending themselves over their past sins and i mean this is something that recently happened at you may have heard about this at uh, Juilliard right and its drama department in particular just tore itself apart over its alleged racism the, the drama department at Juilliard is 50% black and it's circulating crazed lists of demands to itself talking about how black bodies are being subjected to violence under this appallingly racist regime at Juilliard and it, so this become the like the Salem witch trials like the Salem witch trials like the Salem witch trials and I, I remain convinced that the 
this fever will break at some point and that same people will step forward and acknowledge that while there's still a lot of work to do to address specific inequalities in our society, we have made tremendous progress. I mean, there is in fact less racism and sexism and transphobia at this moment in America, and in particular in our institutions, than there has ever been anywhere on earth. And not to acknowledge that is becoming increasingly perverse, even while you, uh, you know, are, are right to want to work to resolve remaining inequalities. Look, it's fine if you want to resolve remaining inequalities, I guess, but don't actually do anything about it because that gets annoying. (laughs) And he loves this straw man and this framing of this is the least racist and least sexist and least bigoted time ever. Yes, because of something called the passage of time and because of progress. I think everyone understands that things have improved from the days of segregation and the days of slavery. I mean, nobody is saying that there has been no progress, but people are not going to stop fighting for more progress. What the status quo warriors of today want is for everyone to stop demanding more because they got some basic human rights on paper. What more could you want? Things are better, right? What are you still complaining about? Oh, and I looked at this stuff at Juilliard that Sam is so upset about. It being one of the least racist institutions on the planet and all. How dare someone complain about racism or racial insensitivity when Sam has already decided how extremely not racist the place is. (laughs) But yeah, I looked it up and from what I found, it seems that he's actually angry someone dared to call out a pretty obviously awful and traumatic sounding quote-unquote immersive slavery workshop. A student, Marion Gray, said her class was asked to pretend they were slaves as a guest speaker played a soundscape of whips, chains, rain, and racial slurs. She spoke up to bring attention to the fact that even though the workshop was taught by an African-American, it didn't matter because it was A, allowed to happen at Juilliard, and B, not addressed in an adequate manner. I mean, can you imagine how much pain and hurt that could bring up for someone? Someone who is still living through and experiencing racism and watching the headlines and videos of police violence in the U.S. towards African Americans? I'm sure it's possible the person who was running the workshop didn't have bad intent and maybe they thought it was an edgy, visceral way to get in touch with something, pain and art. I don't, I don't know, but... But that's just not something you can suddenly toss at people. And the fact that it was approved and no one thought to stop it at any stage before students actually had to experience it is indicative of a problem. According to CBS, Sam also gets the numbers very wrong. But hey, what does that matter when you're fear-mongering to your massive audience? He said that half of the drama department at Juilliard is black, but in reality that number is just under 25%. So he basically just doubled it to make his point. Extremely logical science dude that he is. (sighs) And these aren't just recent observations either. In 2012, playwright and alumni Lee Edward Colston II also brought up concerns about a lack of diversity in staff. The student body may be pretty diverse, but If the people in positions of authority and making decisions and teaching aren't, well, that could be a problem. To CBS, he said, If you have a predominantly white faculty, there are cultural blind spots, right? And he recalled an incident where a white faculty member used the N-word to try and provoke a reaction from the group. Now, does Sam think it's unreasonable for a student 
to expect not to have a racial slur hurled at them by a faculty member? Does he think it's oversensitivity to not want to attend an immersive slavery workshop for fuck's sake? Does he think it's completely ridiculous for a prestigious educational institution to apologize for such things happening within it? It never ceases to amaze me. The things that enrage Sam Harris, like opposition to bigotry and racism, versus the things he absolutely isn't bothered by, like bigotry and racism. The moment a, a university or a newspaper or a tech company gets successfully sued with significant damages, and I don't know if I don't know what the what specific legal lever can be pulled there to make it truly actionable. I don't know if it's a, a hostile workplace lawsuit or defamation or reverse discrimination in certain cases. Reverse discrimination in certain cases. Reverse discrimination. Depending on, on what the actual story is. They're slightly different cases I'm thinking of. But something that delivers a, a real a quantifiable penalty uh, where it's just too costly to be the kind of school or newspaper or tech company that will put up with this. And uh, I don't know if, I mean, do you see that tide turning? I'd get this sort of thing wrong, but I can easily see someone just like me after seeing one after another dishonest claim of victimhood, right? To just, to the temptation is to throw up your hands and say, just fuck it, I'm, I'm done caring about this particular flavor of human problem, right? Like, get it, you, you guys work it out, right? Let me know when you've sorted out your problems in the inner city or, you know, wherever you are, sorted out your problems in the inner city. I'm done thinking about it, right? Now, that's not the kind of person I want to be, but... The level of dishonesty behind so many of these allegations is so appalling, right, and so corrosive of so much else that we value and should value, right? Re, you know, the real reputations of good people who are not racist just going up in flames over fall, you know, just deranged allegations that uh, no sane person should have ever been taken in by. Being a little bit more generous with each other, realizing that progress is a function of conflict and debate instead of instead of always looking for reasons uh, to go after one another. Well, I think a principle of charity is essential and it, it has to be one's default. And, and when you when you lose your purchase on it, you have to notice that and get back to it, no matter who you're talking to. I mean, I, I think you should extend a principle of charity even to people who you think are probably bad actors, right? And who you don't want to have anything to do with. I mean, principle of charity is just, you know, allow your opponent, allow the person you're talking to, to put forward their best case. And if they're, if they're not especially sure-footed in doing that, help midwife the best case so that you, then when you respond, you're actually dealing with the best case. Right, so you're, you're, you're steel manning rather than straw manning their position. Right. Right. Oh yeah, Sam always makes sure to steel man his opponents. And what was that about a principle of charity? Blue-haired maniacs, people like Ibram X. Kendi, who are pushing a politics on the rest of the country that resembles nothing so much as mental illness. Blue-haired maniacs. Yet to my eye, he is a kind of pornographer of race. Pornographer of race. Then, sort of turn on our heels at this, you know, when we're on the final, you know, something like the final yard, Great news, everyone. We're on the final yard. Racism is basically over, as Sam has been telling us again and again and again. And declare that not only have we made 
no progress. This is like the height of the the emergency now, right? It's sanity straining, and it's, it's and it's a lie, right? It's just it's just a lie, and and so it's um it's like we've run out of real racists to find, and so now our racist detector had to be recalibrated, and now we're finding you know fake racists everywhere, you know fake racists everywhere. Racists are so rare and hard to find that people have to make racists up. Sam, of course, is an excellent judge of what is and isn't racism. His track record on this is incredible. And now we're finding, you know, fake racists everywhere, right? And and um, it's... So I do think, yes, I think people are getting fed up with it. I know they're getting fed up with it in private. I mean, I I have these conversations and I get these emails. um, And I talk to the CEOs who won't say anything publicly. And I talk to the venture capitalists who won't say anything publicly. Again, because there's no percentage in in it for them. You know, there's too many people relying on them for their financial well-being. Why would they want to come on a podcast and say that they're not woke? Who could doubt what we saw there was the result of homicidal racist hatred on the part of a police officer leading to the death of George Floyd. Well, I would suggest to you that there is absolutely no evidence of racism in that video. And therefore, no one who has ever seen that video has actually seen evidence of racism there. And that is easy to understand if you have your wits about you. And yet, I have yet to see a single mainstream journalist notice that. That's a problem. It's a problem that we can't even discuss the actual statistics of police violence without people going berserk and making further allegations of racism. And clearly, the New York Times isn't up to the job. So from my point of view, the spell simply has to break. This identitarian hysteria has to be condemned for what it is. A moral panic, an utterly retrograde descent into tribalism and hypocrisy. And in the face of the obvious progress we've made on all these points with respect to racism and sexism and homophobia and transphobia, it amounts to a massive instance of gaslighting for our entire society. Once again, I'm obliged to issue the defensive caveats, right? Nothing I just said should be construed as a denial that racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, and any other social problem you want to list still exist, right? Of course they do. And we should condemn them and resist them wherever they surface. Sam is always happy to acknowledge that these problems exist in a vague, abstract sort of way, but any specific instance that you put in front of him, he will deny, deny, deny. Almost nothing will meet his bar for racism, sexism, or transphobia, and that's how he justifies saying that it barely exists. And as I've said several times before, I think it's a very good thing that Derek Chauvin will be spending decades in prison for what he did. But on that particular point, there's still no evidence that what he did was motivated by racism. That evidence may be forthcoming, but it's just pure delusion to think that on the basis of that video, we've seen yet another instance of homicidal racism in America. We simply don't have those facts. say, well, uh, African Americans are 13% of of the population, so anything more than 13% of arrests and 13% of of negligent uh, homicides or or justified homicides on the part of the cops, uh, anything more than that has to be a sign of racism, you know, or inappropriate profiling of, of black suspects. Well, no, because, uh, African-Americans are involved in a vastly disproportionate amount of violent crime. You know, I mean, they're, 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 you know, African-American crime counts for 50 percent 
and in some cases more, of violent crime in America. Right, but their the argument is that's a product of systemic racism. Well, okay, but it's it, it is one that's a bad argument. I mean, you could, even if you're going to to allege that that um, it, it, that's the well, origin it's vague, story. It's a vague argument. Yeah. Well, it's just that there's nothing. There's no what 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 systemically racist policy can we change today that will prevent the murders we know will happen in Chicago this weekend to black people by black people, right? Like, like if, if we could wave a magic wand and get rid of all the racists and all the racist policies, uh, would we expect fewer murders this weekend in Chicago, right? That's it's a very hard argument to make. So, so how we solve the murder problem in the black community, the murder problem in the black community is a is a uh, it's a very difficult question to answer. Uh, and it is by no means clear that the current existence of racists or racist policies is is the proximate cause. But it's just it's just a fact that when you when you if police are going to be looking to stop the most violent crimes as they should, they are going to be meeting far many more black people, a disproportionate number of black people than Asians. Black people commit 50 percent of violent crime currently in America. They're not 50% of the people killed by cops. They're more like, uh, I believe it's, it's closer to 30%. Um, so it's, um, anyway, I mean, you know, these are, it's, it's a hard, this is a hard conversation to have, but it's an impossible conversation to have if you're going to allege that one wh- white guy like me can't say anything, right? And two, uh, the, answer has to be always racism. They're being told by this corner of the culture that no, 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 it's, it's too soon to say that. It's going to always be too soon to say that you're post-racial or post-racial or post-racial or, or, or um, you know, truly uh, blind with respect to these these differences among people. These differences have to be ramified. They have to be acknowledged. Um, you, you as a white person have no stand. I mean, Chelsea just said it from this chair. You, you as a white person have no standing with which to say anything about race, mm-hmm. right? That's madness, right? It's absolute madness. That's madness, right? It's absolute madness. Heartbreaking, isn't it? How white guys who don't experience racism very often are just not taken seriously when they insist. Racism isn't really a big deal anymore and minorities should quit complaining. It's funny how Sam finds himself in these heartbreaking situations often. Another one that he keeps finding himself in is that all his IDW friends are embarrassing as fuck now, even for him. They weren't when they banded together as the intellectual dark web or when they were just down with phrenology and great replacement stuff. But now they've crossed the line, even for Sam. Look, there's only certain conspiracies that he's okay with, but the anti-vax stuff is too much even for him. Funny thing is that uh, Brett Weinstein is calling this branch of the IDW sphere quote-unquote medically woke. It is hilarious that the small pro-vax branch of anti-wokists is being criticized for their supposed wokeness. And if that doesn't demonstrate the absolute meaninglessness of using woke as an insult, I don't know what does. But yeah, poor Sam. How does one extremely logical guy find himself surrounded by so many right-wing hacks, disinformation peddlers, and conspiracy theorists? I wonder, could it be that he shares a lot of the same views and beliefs and that he is drawn to such types? And if it weren't for the global pandemic, he might still happily be on the same page as them? I don't know. (laughs) 
Just today, as I record this segment, I saw him respond to a rather reasonable-sounding David Frum tweet. And this is not the first time Frum has been way to the left of Harris. Just... (laughs) Just imagine being to the right of George W. Bush's former speechwriter. And people still buying that you're on the fucking left. (laughs) Anyway, from tweeted, There's an article to be written explaining how and why so many people who began with anti-woke as their defining identity ended up as anti-vax. Why, yes, David Frum... That is a very interesting question, well worth asking, and anyone interested in critical thinking would have noticed this pattern and questioned the frequency of this occurrence. But Sammy was ready to jump in defensively with a bunch of excuses for right-wing anti-vaxxers who he absolutely does not sympathize with. No, 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 not like we covered some of his overlaps and talking points with them and woking up seven or anything. Anyway, Sam responded, Might be as simple as, colon, The establishment has been captured by an infuriating ideology, brackets, wokeness, which is contaminating even the most basic scientific and medical communication. So now I will trust only non-standard sources of information and look for conspiracies everywhere. Now I wonder who's been pushing shit like, oh my god, everything you know and love has been captured by wokeness. Can't even trust science and medicine anymore because of how infected with wokeness they've become. The CDC is too woke. (laughs) Now, there are of course legit criticisms of the way some things have been handled by the CDC, like their recent shortening of isolation time for covid positive people. What the fuck? Or like the earlier decision that vaccinated people no longer need to mask indoors when anyone could just remove their mask and claim they're vaccinated if they're not asked to prove otherwise. But those things are not a result of wokeness. Quite the opposite, in fact. Sam himself sees and promotes these wokeness fear-mongering conspiracies everywhere. So it should be no surprise that he is sympathetic to anti-woke, anti-vaxxers going down that road because he deeply feels all their non-vax-related bogus grievances himself. What was it he used to say about how it reflected badly on Muslims as a whole when they were radicalized by anti-Muslim bigotry, by war and bombings? That was never legitimate as a radicalizing force in his view, but, oh, fear of wokeness. Very legit. Just like he said it was understandable people voted for Trump because of pronouns and being told their Halloween costumes were in poor taste. (laughs) Just amazing stuff. Very consistent guy. Anyway, here's a couple more of his recent clips. What we have now is a a trigger warning standing in front of our entire civilization, right, from the point of view of the left. Um, but no, I mean we have we have new forms of segregationism. You know we have you know we have people you know areas of schools where whites shouldn't enter, right? It, it, because it's there's a, there's a social experiment uh, underway where it's just this is the multicultural area, and if you're a white person who wanders into it, you're you're um, you're guilty of some kind of desecration. Absolutely heartbreaking, I know. The only real racism that exists today is anti-white racism, obviously, and segregation. But does this clip remind you of something from last episode? Hmm. There's a clip of Stephen Miller talking about CRT that I played. Let me just play it again to refresh your memory. Joining me now, Steve Miller, my great pal. Critical race theory is simply a new attempt at segregation, a new attempt at dividing people based on their skin color. And the party of Lincoln, the party of Reagan, the party of Trump, the party of Eisenhower will not stand for it. Um, 
mean, we have we have new forms of segregationism. And critical race theory is simply a new attempt at segregation, a new attempt at dividing people based on their skin color. New forms of segregationism. A new attempt at segregation. New forms of segregationism. A new attempt at segregation. So, wowee, eh? That was some collection of Harris clips. And some very interesting parallels, too, huh? But yes, I am so sorry for inflicting all of that upon you. We're only just getting warmed up. There's loads more where that came from, but I wouldn't want anyone to overdose on those high-level ideas, so let's begin to filter this a bit now. The theme of this episode and the previous one is guilt by association, as we've already talked about. You hear that thrown around a lot in the rational sphere. What is it even, though? Well, it can be a type of ad hominem fallacy. As Wikipedia puts it, if the argument attacks a person because of the similarity between the views of someone making an argument and other proponents of the argument. An example they give is, my opponent for office just received an endorsement from the Puppy Haters Association. Is that the type of person you'd want to vote for? Or, as defined by Merriam-Webster, the moral guilt or unfitness presumed to exist on the basis of one's known associations. So, I'm not talking about the legal context here, but if someone is getting a lot of endorsements from white supremacists, for example, it would certainly reflect badly in my eyes, even though technically they may not be self-identifying white supremacists themselves, I would have to wonder what it was about them that was attracting so many. Of course, this can be misused, too, to unfairly discredit people. For example, someone could say, Oh, I once saw a random SJW on Twitter with this absurd take, therefore the whole left is bad, or social justice as a whole is bad. Or something like, I've known some horrendous far-right atheists online. Therefore, I'm going to judge all atheists and assume they all have awful politics, and so on. But at other times, I think it can be used completely fairly and rationally, in my opinion. If someone is friends with a lot of Islamists, say, and spouts a lot of their talking points, you gotta wonder what the fuck is up with that. And likewise, if someone sounds a lot like a white nationalist, has the same rhetoric and is often praised by them, you should notice that and think about why that may be. If someone claims they aren't right-wing, but constantly shits on the left and spews right-wing garbage, appears on right-wing platforms, praises and promotes right-wingers, it doesn't matter that they say they aren't right-wing or that they say they vote Democrat. Their actions and associations speak louder than their empty words. And it's funny how, quote-unquote, tribally, the ones who constantly brag about how non-tribal they are, use something like guilt by association. If it's a Muslim organization having a lunch, and there was maybe one shady guest that wasn't vetted. Well, that's because Muslimics are not to be trusted, you see. They're doing taqiyya. They're lying to you by pretending to be moderate. All Muslims must denounce their religion constantly to prove they aren't homophobic misogynists. But if it's an IDW gathering and there are multiple raging misogynists and homophobes and transphobes present, well, we're just engaging in open-mindedness. Viewpoint diversity. Stop trying to discredit us with guilt by association. So what if there are several Kekistan flags and MAGA hats present here? So what if what we're talking about mirrors Lauren Southern's great replacement shit? Why can't you tolerate different ideas? Why, yes, I did 12 interviews on Breitbart and 9 on Rebel Media. Of course I'm not right-wing. How very dare you. 
You see, a guilt by association fallacy is what happens when you're being discredited. The left is just hysterical and calling everyone Nazis. But when your ideological opponents are being discredited by you, it is noble and urgent and rational to point out their dangerous associations and views. I remember when Sam Harris retweeted Dave Rubin, who was super angry that the ACLU once tweeted something positive about Linda Sarsour or something, and he wanted the entire ACLU defunded because of that. I remember when Barry Weiss wrote an article about left-wing authoritarianism titled, We're All Fascists Now. I remember various figures being used to tar the entire left. So this is really a syndrome known as, it's okay when we do it. It's a dishonest smear tactic when they do. Who, us? We are doing the difficult, important, and intellectual job of identifying bad actors. Them? They are doing intolerant cancel culture. What's that? You think the SPLC got one thing wrong and now you think that racism really isn't real and they're inventing racists to keep themselves in business? (laughs) I mean, yeah. So I definitely think it's a case-by-case thing. Sometimes someone's associations and types of people and views they defend really speak for themselves, on the left even, but also in the ITW sphere. And boy, is there a lineup of such associations with Sam Harris. He hasn't met a right-wing reactionary, a bigot, that he doesn't want to defend. Except for the ones with the hoods, of course. Those are just too obvious. Ditto with the Me Too stories. Harvey Weinstein, too much. Bad, definitely. Criticizing someone for less than that, though. And Me Too has gone too far. Here's what he said about Louis C.K. in an interview for... Please subscribe via patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes to hear the full episode. By supporting on Patreon, you'll get access to all Patreon-exclusive content, including Woking Up and early releases of Polite Conversations too, as well as special patron events like AMAs and Skype chats. If you enjoy the show, do consider supporting, because without listeners like you, deep dive content like this isn't possible.